Okay, hello everybody and welcome to Investing with IBD sponsored by Marketsmith. Today is June 10th, 2020. I'm your host, Arusha Pierce, and today we have a podcast favorite returning back to the show. Jim Ropel is back, and he is the founder of Ropel Capital Management. Jim, thanks for being here. Arusha, thanks for having me. It's great to see you again. Your hair is so long. I don't understand. I know. It's the pandemic, you know, I've, I've just been letting it grow. Uh, on today's podcast, we are going to talk about the current markets. Uh, we'll talk about the importance of having a consistent stock routine, and then we will go over a few stock ideas. So let's get into the current market. And it was another pretty amazing day. The market is in a strong uptrend. Uh, we only have one distribution day on both the NASDAQ and S&P 500. Jim, what are your thoughts on this market? Um, I think this market is a parallel to the strongest market I've ever seen. It's, it's akin to possibly, well, it's more akin to 98, the rally off the bottom, but it also has some characteristics of the later stages or the middle stages of the 2000 uh, blow off almost. I mean, when you look at a chart of the index, you can clearly see significant accumulation on the NASDAQ. I mean, since post QE, we've had a lot of markets that have rallied a lot without a lot of obvious accumulation. This is blatant accumulation in the indexes. Um, the amount of leading stocks is just phenomenal. Uh, I mean, I could name 20. There's Z Scalar and Twilio and Tesla. And I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. We have that many. It's just a major signal. Uh, the and, and, and I just pulled up, Jim, I, I just pulled up the, a chart of the, the NASDAQ and it, it is pretty ridiculous. It, it, it hasn't been a stop. We had a fall today on April 6th. Markets back in uptrend. Obviously, really scary news at that point. But since then, it's just been climbing this wall of worry and apparently there's a lot of worry. There, well, I mean, it, it's... Um, I want to talk about Tesla later, but imagine yes. the fear in 1916, we're in World War I, and all of a sudden, up comes Bethlehem Steel. People are freaking out, and up comes this monster. There's always amazing leaders in, in any period, and kind of we had all these stay-at-home stocks, these digital future stocks, which the trends were in place, but this pandemic has just accelerated them so rapidly, and these stocks... I mean, even if the market wasn't, as long as the market wasn't imploding, when you see stocks acting like this, you have got to get in there and be involved. Um, these are rare opportunities. So, I mean, everything from the leaders, the accumulation, the volume, the sentiment, you just don't get sentiment like this. Uh, at the bottom, the NASDAQ was 22% below the 50 day. Wow. That is screaming at you. I mean, the put to call went to 1.5. I mean, everything I look at was just going, hello, the bottom <laughs> is here. I mean, and it could have gone lower, but everybody had to be on guard to get, get ready to go long. And, and so now let's, get, let's first get into kind of a, a larger picture here. And uh, really, you know, coming down to something that we've heard for years and years, you especially heard for years and years uh, from Bill, uh, just uh, America. Right. And and the the capitalism system and the power of innovation. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I, I don't think it's any secret. America is 
it's not a really an empire. It's more of a dynasty. It is the greatest society ever in human existence. And the number one reason is the people, the innovators, the inventors, the risk takers. America is a one-way street. No, nearly no one is leaving. They're all coming here. So number one, it's the people. But number two, we have a free market system unlike any other, the capital formation that is available here. We have a pro-market, free market president, a pro-markets, pro-business president, like we haven't had in decades, since Reagan. We are impenetrable militarily. We have the greatest economy, freedom, patent rights, formation of capital, the greatest people. We've sucked all the innovators from the rest of the world here. I mean, look at our market in this pandemic. Our market's a new high ground. Right. That's because right. we're number one. And it's never, it's just not going to change for 100 years. I mean, well, and, and in many ways, it's, it's, uh, it's the only game in town now, especially in, in the markets, right? It's, uh, I mean, and, and it continues, you've seen this over and over again, just that innovation coming in, brand new companies come up with better ways to do something to make our lives that much more convenient, that much uh, uh, better. And they make a ton of money. And, and we all have that opportunity to buy stock in those companies when, when they go public. Yeah, I think Bill O'Neill made so many amazing stock calls, but his greatest call was betting on America all the time, every time. And he hammered that into anybody who went to see him and he was dead right. It was his best call. So. No, no, no. And, and that, that, that uh, I think that's a really good tribute to Bill because that a lot of times that's how he'd start out a seminar. He, he would go into that and, and we were talking about this just before we, we started. You know, I, I hear that. I, I hear that kind of uh, that speech because I've heard it so many times. I was lucky enough to hear it so many times. Uh, when when the markets are getting hit, you know, just remind, you know, I just hear that voice like, hey, this is where the innovation is. There are great companies, there are great entrepreneurs out there that they don't care that we're in a correction. They're still doing their thing. They're still working on their companies and they're still making them great. And, and uh, they're going to continue to go and, and the markets are going to recognize these great companies and money's going to flow to them. And we're going to have more 9-11s, more pandemics, more housing crises, more currency crises. They're just, they're going to occur, but you've got to be ready around the bottoms and watch your sentiment indicators and all your, you know, all your variables, but don't ever count America out. And right. So let's 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 talk about the sell-off a little bit here with, with this pandemic sell-off and and we had you know there there are plenty of times especially in end of February where the markets were halted and things like that. Now, what is this kind of a, a unique environment that you've seen, or have you seen this before? Does this remind you of any other kind of environments uh, on the on the sell-off? You mentioned you know '99 and uh, well, the the bottom was very much like '98. The level okay. of fear. I think yeah. the of fear was greater. I mean, the fear was distributed amongst the public equally, not just people in the markets. In 98, it was a, a financial crisis, not a health crisis. But the rate at which this came down and went back up was unprecedented because I don't think we've seen that type of fear before. And then the Fed injection of cash, the fiscal and monetary stimulus is unparalleled. And I think that's why we have to really, really understand the economy is not the stock market. They're, they're, the stock market is discounting the future. It's looking forward and it just knows better. We are going to get through this and we are going to be way more efficient, way better off for it. 
in many, many ways. And, and talk about a little bit more about the quantitative easing, just how aggressive they were this time versus like a 2008. Well, I didn't quite understand it, but Eve, who we worked together, um, showed me this and, thing. And, and we've had her on the show. She's excellent. Well, they expanded their balance sheet by like 20% in like, I mean, really a short period of time. And when I say to you, hey, a um, billion dollars, Arusha, you can probably get your hands around a billion, mm. but a trillion, how about 2.7 trillion? And then another <laughs> 2.7 trillion fiscal policy. I mean, you, I mean, why is the stock market going to Mars? It's not that hard to figure out. Now, what initially the market was very thin. It was all of the Zooms and the service nows and the, you know, the, the digital future stocks. But then all of a sudden, it seemed like the pandemic was kind of getting to be a secondary issue when racism became a big deal. And all of a sudden, all these uh, airlines are doubling in a day and the breadth of the market exploded about a week ago. So initially, it was a very thin market and now it's just branched out. Um, I am not condoning any of these non-organic uh, non growth names that are just hopping all over the place. I, I would really stay away from that. Um, don't be a guessing game of picking a bottom in this junk. Uh, business travelers due to Zoom will not be traveling anywhere near like they used to. And airlines, I mean, just imagine if we lose just 10% of business travel. And I think we could yeah. lose 30 or 40. What does that do to airlines, rent-a-cars? So all these stocks that are jumping off the bottom, that's a gamble. That's not speculation. That's, it's not for me. Yeah, and, and our strategy has always been focused on the next great companies, right? That are, are growing organically, that yeah. are, are providing a service that we all need. Somebody's changing the world, like Tesla. Right. Exactly. I mean, uh, it, because an airline stock, uh, it, those stocks are maybe going to go back to a valuation where they should be, where valuation might matter there, but there's no game changer here. None. Now, now there, there's another interesting parallel that you brought up when you were speaking about earlier about World War II, after World War II. Uh, a lot of people coming back and, and people making an epic mistake on, on the markets back then. The level of fear was like, un, it was exceptionally high. People were euphoric that the war was over, but the kind of the mantra was, well, all these GIs are going to come home and there's going to be no jobs and unemployment's going to explode. But what really, so the market, you know, people were worried and they were underinvested kind of like they are now, but the GIs came home and they said, I want to, I've had this horrible experience. I want to fall in love. I want to buy a house. I want to go to work. And that's what they did. And it kicked off a huge boom, very much so for very different reasons. Like I think we are seeing right now, there is a boom in innovation in digital technology, which is going to make everything much more efficient. And I think the similarities are there's a great parallel there. Fear, you should not, you should be fear and manage risk, but be bullish about what's going to happen because American spirit always wins through, always. Perfect. So the market is in a strong uptrend. We are in a bull market and leading stocks are truly leading this market too. So let's take a quick break. But when we return, we are going to talk about routine, having a process in place. And we are also going to talk about Jim's ride the wave plan. We'll be back. I am here with Scott St. Clair. Scott's one of our senior product coaches at MarketSmith. Now, Scott, there are a ton of publicly traded stocks just on the U.S. I think it's over 5,000 stocks. 
who has the time to go through all of these stocks and find the very best ones? Yeah, most people don't, right? So what you need is a tool like MarketSmith. We have decades of research on what makes a great winning stock. So we've done all the research for you. So we're going to try to highlight those specific stocks with those great data points. So if you're looking for that next great potential big winner, orange stock ideas button, you just click on it and you've got some of the main reports that we use, including the Growth 250. Yeah, and the Growth 250 is the first list that I go through on the weekends. Yeah, it's the most popular one, but there are others. There's the Breaking Out Today, Stocks Near a Pivot, and then the Blue Dot list, right, which is very popular. It's going to show you the stocks with the best relative strength. So we've done a lot of the work for you. What you have to do is review these lists. You're going to come up with some of the best ideas in that current market environment. Perfect. Mark Smith saves you time and makes investment research that much easier. For more information, go to Investors.com slash podcast 2020. Jim Ropel is our guest on Investing with IBD, sponsored by MarketSmith. Okay, Jim, uh, let's start off with this uh, section. And this is a, a question from a friend. He's a longtime Canslim investor. Uh, he's a big fan of yours, of, of listening uh, to the podcast. Uh, his name is Shane. And he, so he, his question was, uh, because, and this is something that you've, uh, you know, a lot of people have asked me about. You, you have really good sitting power in stocks. Once they're working, you have that conviction uh, to ride through them, even through bases. Last, well, one of the first episodes you were on, you're talking about, you know, holding a small position, riding through the base. Uh, and so the question is, you know, now that we're coming out of this bear market and we know when we come out of a bear market, uh, we should give leading stocks more room, more time to work. Uh, so since this is a little bit different, this is a, a shorter bear market, you know, should we approach it in the same way? And if you're in some of these leading stocks, should you try to give them, you know, maybe that 18 month uh, average that we look for in, you know, where leading stocks really go from like a first stage base up to a, a fourth stage base. So should we try to ride some of these stocks like that a year and a half long? All right. I'm really guilty of this. I mean, I, I think everything I buy is going to go on to be the greatest thing in the world. Right. So with that understanding, I think this bear market we had was just a, a speed bump in an, in an epic bull market. Okay. which has now been accelerated by the Fed pedal to the metal monetarily. And I think we're just catching back up to where we should be. I think it's a new bull. It's earlier in a new bull market. I think we could go easily a secular bull for another at least five, 10 more years. And I think that we're seeing life-changing moments here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like we were talking about, What's going to happen to air travel? What's Zoom? These things are, we're living in one of the fastest change, life-changing periods ever. These names, you know, they have all the characteristics and I see no sell signals here. I, well, it's a little bit of a lie. I might've overstated how bullish I am on the index. The put to call ratio is a five-year low and uh. the speculation I'm seeing in some stocks really makes me very nervous. But with that said, I don't have any sell signals on the leaders. And the distribution count is low. So I don't want to suffocate any monster. Now, I don't want to hold any stocks through an intermediate term correction, which we are going to have in the secular bull. Mm -hmm. But you do want to sit. And the way you sit is knowing the fundamentals. If you've got the fundamentals, really, really understand them. It will allow you to sit through the normal pullbacks. But 
for anybody out there who golfs, if you putt and you leave the putt short, it's suffocated. There's no way, it, it's impossible to go in the hole. Now, if you are jumping around because you're impatient and you, you don't understand what you own, you may be sitting in one of the am amazing leaders that is a life changer. I mean, I, I think thunder money is going to be made, is being made. I mean, not gonna be, already has been made. And it's, you, so know your fundamentals, know where you are in the market cycle, when was the last correction? What's the Fed doing? And how is your stock acting? And they will get extended over the 50-day mm -hmm. to levels that are excessive. But with the Fed doing what they're doing, you have to be ready for greater levels of excess. We've been, we're in a period we've never seen anything like this. Um, and I, I have to do a little bit of a soul cleansing here. After a period of crushing it at the top and getting out and just doing all the right things, I remained, I was so bullish at the bottom. And then I see the stacks moving up and then they're moving up. And I think I had like my mental emotions just at that moment, I must not have wanted to make money. Or I just, I, I, I must have recalled all these kids who bullied me and I didn't think I was worth it when I was little because mm -hmm. I let them go. I did not, I mean, I'm having a great year. I'm up over, I'm up 35, 40%, 35, 30, anyway. And I still think anybody out there, you can have an 80%, 100% year this year. The, right now, everything is showing green light and we may have a, a respite period, but the strength begets strength. And so I just need to say, I'm up here professing all these things that you should do and I was really bullish at the bottom. And then I totally bungled it. I completely choked. And I, 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 I'm, the reason I'm up so much is because I did so good before the, pull, before the correction. Subsequently, I'm only up about maybe five, 6%. But don't ever think that you can't have a monster year from here. We're, we're not even in July yet. Right. Which is, and the, it, the leaders are everywhere. Especially today. I mean, the, just when you just... Uh, how strong the market was today, it, it, it's just shocking. I mean, I, I thought a month ago the market was overheated. And, but you have, to, you have to give it time. I lightened up, but, you, but like you were saying, you don't want to necessarily completely get out of some of these stocks right now. That, if you think they really have that game-changing uh, potential. Because uh, you want to respect the trend. Because these things, as we're seeing so far, they can go up a lot further than you can imagine. A lot, a lot. Like, remember, Mac, you probably don't, but McAfee and Associates kind of invented internet or yeah. computer security. Well, it broke out of a beautiful base and it went up 20 or 30% and a lot of people sold. And then it went up 1,800%. And I can assure you that your listeners right now are holding stocks that are going to do that if you know the fundamentals and you can sit. And a lot of times being young and impatient and... Um, and not having your mental game intact will make you sell. Um, now, if you have life-changing money, I always suggest taking life-changing money because if you if it then rolls over and it goes bad, you will that'll be a big regret. Mm -hmm. But after you've made some money, the regrets come from not nailing the monsters versus just nailing down small gains. Um, and there was a moment. There's two dates very recently. Well, we'll talk about that later. Go ahead. Well, and, and I, I want to just bring bring up another uh, another point. Uh, because I think a lot of listeners would be a little surprised that on this way back up, 
that you were a little bit slow and you were struggling to try to get some of those positions. This is not an easy game. It's never easy, right? And you're going to be human. And so you always have to kind of do that self-analysis self and really be honest and, and know that you're, you, can be, you're, you can mess this up left and right if you're not always on your game. Never, ever get discouraged. It's just one at bat. I'm 55. I do believe I'll make it to close to 100. If I see five to 10 TMLs every year, I'm looking at 250 to 500 at bats in my life coming up. If you bungle one little period like I just did, and I, I do need to say, there were not traditional perfect bases. The bases were super stubby, but because they weren't, it was like the basketball underwater. It just couldn't stay underwater for more than a week or two. Yeah, yeah that's true. Now, so you really had to do some things that were a little unusual. Um, maybe Bill Knight might not have loved buying some much shorter bases, but to get in there, you had to force yourself in. And so there's moments like that. Um, yeah. And, you know, we can talk, hopefully maybe we can talk really quick about NVIDIA and AMD, because I think there's a moment where AMD is breaking out of a beautiful base. Yeah. And NVIDIA is really the leader. And I'd rather buy the stubby base than the big base. Yeah. So, so first uh, you mentioned TML. I just want to make sure our listeners are aware of that. That stands for true market leader, right? So, so these big time stocks that offer that game changing, life changing uh, potential. So, so, so that's one thing. Now, Let's go into NVIDIA and AMD because that is a, a great, great lesson on uh, recognizing which one is becoming more of the leader and the other one might be taking a break off and could eventually resume leadership. Talk, talk about those two, Jim. Well, the first stock out was clearly NVIDIA. It's way into new high ground. Stocks that are breaking out now may, may work, but we are way off the bottom. Why is it just coming out now? And the base is, I'd say it's pretty good to very good. But NVIDIA, I'd, I'd much rather buy NVIDIA off the stubby base. And because I think the upside is so much bigger. So and, and when you say the stubby base, you're talking about that really short term. And I, I just pulled a chart up here of NVIDIA. Uh, so you're just talking about over the last few weeks when it just kind of went sideways, it's emerging out that really short-term uh, type of consolidation, right? Exactly. Um, and the, it is a higher risk purchase. Mm -hmm. You know, and anytime you're buying off a short-term base, the risk is higher. But if we get into a correction immediately, you're going to get stopped out of both. Yes. So I'd much rather be in the stock that's going to double or triple. And the difference between the leading stock in a group, I did the research on this between number one and number two is over a hundred percent move. And that's just by missing the leader from the second best. Yeah. So if the leader goes up 500, the second best is going to go up 250. And then the also rands like Western digital and all that other garbage, you know, it'll, they'll, they'll go up. But if you're in it to make a killing, you want to be in the leader. So I would suggest that it's worth the risk to buy the stubbier base. Yeah. And, and so, so let's expand that. A little bit more because that, that's what you're kind of alluding to here, but I'll just make it a little bit more clear uh, because a lot of people obviously have missed out on this first initial run. The leaders are out of the gate. It's always, ideally, it's always better to go for the leader, even if it's not setting up a picture perfect base than one that might be breaking out six, seven, eight weeks after the fall today because that 
even though it's, it, that those are tier two, maybe even tier three stocks now, and you may even be buying a, a potential laggard. Absolutely. I mean, you can buy any stock. Why buy a laggard? It makes no sense. It's your money. Get in the very best. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, yes. The simple answer is I want to buy the absolute leader. And sometimes if I really understand it, I'm going to get into that shorter base, specifically two weeks tight, three weeks tight. Mm -hmm. I don't like starting whole new positions off of those because I, you know, part of the bad period I had was buying those things. And then we had a two or three day shake and I got whipped out at a lot of stock. Yeah. You got to get back on your horse, lick your wounds. Cause now you're like, did I just possibly lose money in the strongest bull cycle I've seen in 20 in since 98? Is it possible? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you, 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 everybody chokes occasionally, but get back in that batter's box, man. And buying right, and, and Bill said this many, many times, buying right solves most of your problems, right? Absolutely. When you're, the Pareto principle, 80% of your gains come from 20% of your stocks. Right. So when you get stopped out, you have to assume you're going to get stopped out, but you just got to get into those leaders because the ones that don't give you any, that don't go down, don't test the pivot, that just go on massive volume, those are the stocks that are going to be the game changer. I mean, that's how you go from, you know, first class to private jet. You've got to be in those stocks. So now one, one kind of thing that you do that uh, really helps you keep perspective every week is you have a very consistent weekly routine for staying on top of the market and also getting your uh, mentality in the right frame of mind. And so you have this specific framework that you've kind of evolved o over the years and, and you call it the, the ride the wave plan. Talk, talk a little bit about that because uh, it, it's really interesting uh, to see you do this every week uh, and, and how you prepare uh, every Sunday night for, for that next week ahead. Well, it, it evolved from a, a legal pad of paper, just writing down, you know, ticker symbols and pivot points to, well, how bullish am I in a trend, short term, intermediate term, uh, you know, and we also critique each other. So one of the first things right off the top is criticism that stings is true. So when I get the critique from either, uh, you know, if it's, if it stings, I know I'm choking, uh, you know, also I, there's a lot of quotes in here that are so important. Yes. Uh, Druckenmiller once said, it's okay to be wrong, but if you're in a monster bull market in the right stock and you don't have a full position, that's a, a sin. Um, but the, it, go, it covers everything. What are the leaders in the market? What are the leaders that are viable? What are the potential problems that we're seeing? Is there, is there um, access building up? I mean, what's the single best idea for the week? And I share this with a couple other hedge fund managers. We have a Monday meeting every Monday and we all have to put our very best ideas in there. And if there's a cross section where all four of us are all in, we think this stock is it. Well, that's not a coincidence. The people who I'm talking to are very, very smart. Eve's one of them. Um, so we want to go through over that. We want to uh, look at the, the leaders that are already extended to be watching to for alternate or future pivot, pivot points. Um, just everything you want to know. I mean, like I'm in the battle, I'm in the battle room right now mm. and this is the battle plan. Yes. When things get crazy, 
if I'm like, oh, the whole market's going wild, I need to buy something, I can go right to my list. I know exactly what to buy, where to buy it. And if things go really bad, I've ranked all my stocks. I know what my worst idea is that I don't have the most confidence in. I, I, it's all right. Everything I would need is right here. How close to the 50 days are we? Um, I mean, it, it just goes through. And then I also have a running, because it's on uh, digital, I have my commentary from prior weeks and I can look back and say, this is what I was thinking then. I can't believe I was such an idiot. <laughs> or, um, you know, so you got to have a battle plan. And it's based on Laird Hamilton's uh, interview with Charlie Rose because the similarities of surfing and the market are just, in that interview of how Laird, Laird Hamilton prepares mm-hmm. for big wave surfing is very much, he inspired this whole thing. And you guys played that video at a, we played at the master's program. Scott, Scott O'Neill played it during his presentation, maybe in 2011 or something like that. Here, I got to show you something. Hold on. This is what Eve put together in, to inspire. There's a guy surfing. This is the big wave thing. That's awesome. She says, it says, can you see? It says, right. Yeah, that's great. But that, that, I mean, and in many ways, that's it right there. You know, and, and I remember when we saw that video, and, and it was it was Richard and Marcus, I think, who uh, on the Mark Smith team who found that video and, and shared it, and we were all stunned. We're like, he's not talking about surfing; he's talking about the way we invest in stocks. You just keep waiting, you keep waiting, you keep preparing, because you know one of these days that wave is going to come, and that wave came twice already this year. Uh, we already had two really powerful. Uh, uh, waves so far to take advantage of, and then of course one one big potential wipeout if you if you weren't uh, skilled with the surfboard. Think about what it takes to be the greatest big wave surfer. How many big wave surfers are there in the world? That are there are some that are morons, but there are some that are truly gifted. But right. what do they do to prepare? They're elite, elite, elite. They go to extremes to prepare, to travel the world, to condition themselves. They eat the right foods. They're they're in the wave at the right time. I mean, only so many people can be truly exceptional. And that's primarily because of what they put into it. it most people are average at almost everything because they don't do unique things to get to where they want to go. Laird Hamilton is the man. <laughs> he is very, very impressive. Now, now one other thing that I, I noticed in, in your ride the wave plan was you, you have one section what would Bill do? Talk, talk a little bit about that, because I thought that was really interesting. Well, every time I talk to Bill, he'd tell me what he has, and I'd look at what I have. And obviously, Bill would be in the single best stock in the market with the highest relative strength, the triple-digit sales and earnings. Yeah. And it just would be like, you know, and if the market was rolling over, I mean, I didn't, in the end, I didn't even have to call Bill. I, I just would know. If I call Bill and ask him this, he's going to be like, are you blind? The market has rolled over, you're a moron. You know, I mean, he was very polite with me. But in the end, I didn't have to, people would say, what would Bill say? And I'm like, well, I know exactly what he'd say. He'd say, you've got to be in the top three stocks that have triple digit sales and earnings that have monster volume and a great fundamental story. I mean, and I want to know what, what stocks do I think Bill would own, even though they might be extended. And then that's going to go in the list section where this is a leader that I just missed. Um, yeah, I mean, what would Bill do? I pretend like Bill's sitting on my shoulder mm-hmm. and like he's got a cane and he's gonna whack me in the head <laughs> if I'm not buying on the follow through day or if I'm not selling when things are breaking the 50. Um, that's why a team is so important. I mean, 
Bill's not in the mix with me anymore. I don't communicate with him, but Eve is sitting on my shoulder and I got to answer to, I mean, I have to answer to my shareholders every quarter, but I answer to Eve every Sunday night. <laughs> you know, I mean, what would Bill do? Bill would always be in the leader, the single leader. I mean, Bill made mistakes, but way less than I think the rest of us. So having rules will help you manage your emotions and also give you the ability to ride strong trends and potentially have some life-changing events. Coming up next, Jim and I are going to talk about a number of ideas. Stay tuned. MarketSmith will give you a huge edge in the stock market. Better stocks, bigger profits. MarketSmith is the top research platform for IBD. It's just the best tool for individual stock selection. Everything within MarketSmith is designed to bring those best stocks to the surface. It does a lot of the work for you of filtering down to the potential leaders. It's when you take the training wheels off and you're ready to invest on a more professional level. MarketSmith will help you take control of your investment life. If you want to get serious about investing, start your membership today. We are back with Jim Ropel on Investing with IBD, sponsored by MarketSmith. Okay, Jim, let's get into a few ideas here. And uh, I think the best way to start off this section is uh, so you came up with a really cool phrase uh, when we were talking uh, before. You called it uh, a leader-defining day. And we had two of them uh, on May 27th and June 5th. Uh, we had we had a number of upside reversals where leaders uh, revealed themselves a little bit more. Talk a little bit about that, and then maybe we can pull up some stocks here and and go and and show them some of these uh, nice reversals that you saw in those days. Okay, um, basically, anytime you have a stock that is a has all the qualities we're looking for, but it gets murdered, say on earnings or a downgrade or just the general market crushes it. I mean, I think we all know that institutions drive the market. And what these guys do is midday or later in the day, they say, this stock's gone down way too much. And they come in with huge firepower and they run them back up. And on the 27th, and it's the, the fifth also, right? Yes. Several, several, like 10 of the big leaders just had massive tails. Some actually closed up. Some of them even had giant volume. And two of them were in the single leaders. Um, what do you want to look at first? Bud? So, so yeah, let, let, I'm going to pull up a MarketSmith chart and, and let's just pull up some, pull up a number of stocks here and, and, and show, man, you know, we'll, we'll pull up Twilio. I, th I think Twilio is a, a good one. Now I, I have, I have shares of this. Uh, and uh, so you can see here and I'll, I'll just mark it on the MarketSmith chart. The, the two days here, this was yeah. first one was May 27th. Yeah. And, and the second one was uh, June uh, 5th. Okay, so Twilio closes at the dead high of the range. It didn't close up, but um, the volume that day picked up pretty nicely, yeah. uh, especially in relation to the recent volume. But if you could actually, so you've got this long tail on it. Mm -hmm. Scalar did it too. Okta did it today. But right. if you back up just for one second, this is thunder coming out here on the day of 5-7. For which stock? Twilio. Let me go back to, well, let me go back to Twilio, okay. Uh, okay. Seven, this thing reports earnings and it gaps out. Now, average daily volume at this point is around two, three million a day. Yep. It only <laughs> traded 31 million <laughs> shares that day. Um, beyond that, the stock went up 36 or seven or eight or 9% for the day. And then what happens? The next day it follows up with 
17 million more shares. Okay, so this stock is screaming at you like Facebook was about nine months after the IPO. It just in 2013. Right. So again, it those those two days are defining. This stock is a, a absolute, I think, must own. But you have to now figure out where to buy it, right? Right. If you had a oh my god, I was bullied moment when it was gapping out, and you decided not to make a lot of money and didn't buy it. Um, but then again, on the 27th, it showed itself again. Those institutions yep. ran it up, said, we don't have enough. Let's buy 400,000 shares. And maybe multiple said, we'll buy 100,000. Uh, and then again, it happened on 6.5. And then we can look at Zscaler. Yep. And so what, one last thing with the Twilio. So what Jim was talking about on when it reported earnings. So this is essentially a breakaway gap on earnings. And so the, the volume, 31 million shares traded that day. The, average, the above average volume is 17, uh, 715% above average volume. And you know, as Bill would always say, that's not your Aunt Sally <laughs> buying, buying the stock on that day. Those were funds falling over themselves uh, trying to get more shares. They didn't care at that price. Just like Facebook in 2013, go back. Facebook gapped up over 30. I think it was around $33 at that, on that day. It was like around 700%, I think, uh, volume on that day. And, and that was the, the beginning of its uh, monster run. Exactly. I mean, and you got to understand, just for one second, there are funds and then there are super funds. Mm -hmm. Super funds have the brightest analysts and the often large amounts of money. Those are the guys, that's the, only the biggest are doing that. I mean, who could buy that much stock? I mean, I'll bet just one or two big funds bought a million shares each. That's how you get 30 million shares traded. I mean, it's even a big, a big purchase for me is a couple hundred thousand shares. I mean, I'm nowhere near these guys. I yeah. wouldn't even have made a dent in that thing. So these <laughs> are the brightest and the best who've been entrusted with the money. You've got, and it's a screaming signal. And the, beyond that, the last earnings report, I think they beat expectations by 150%. It has relative strength of 98, B plus uh, uh, accumulation distribution, uh, up to down volumes 1.6. It, it mm. meets everything. Now, the only challenge is where are you going to get into this thing? That's the, oop, I quoted some numbers off of Zscaler. I'm sorry. I'm a little ahead of you. Okay. Yeah, okay. So well, well, let's, let's go over to Zscaler because Zscaler had, uh, it had a, a really strong reaction on earnings too. And, and well, let me ask you this, uh, Jim, first. What, it, it, has this been the, it, well, in my opinion, I feel like this has been the kindest earnings uh, uh, season ever. It's like everything jumped up or even if they disappointed, they didn't kill the stocks. They, a lot of those stocks also finished up. I don't remember getting through an earnings season so unscathed uh, like uh, this one. And we have that in the ride the wave plan. How are earnings being um, received? And that's a clear signal. I remember when there was a, we were in a really bad market and Amazon popped out and then they reported earnings and the market supported it. And I said, if the market's going to support the biggest stock in the market, the market's better. And it, it just changed my whole opinion on everything. And I immediately started to go long. Um, reception to earnings, beat and rate quarters, beat and raise quarters is a major signal. Um, and an, another major signal, if we're looking at Zscaler. Yeah, I just pulled up Zscaler. Yep. Okay. So on 527 before the earnings, at one point during the day, the stock is down, call it eight, nine percent, and it yep. closes at the very higher end of its daily trading range. 
Two days later, it breaks out. Yep. And on the breakout breakaway gap, it trades 22.8 million shares. And normal daily volume at that point is 2 million, 3 million-ish. Yep. So 554% above average volume on that day. Right. Well, the next day it follows up with another 17 million because the day they didn't get enough the first day. Yeah. Um, and so you just, you've got to be in those days, you just have to disregard fear and you just have to get in there and buy it. You cannot, you just have to, and you could be wrong. These are not, there are no locks, but this is a huge signal that something major is happening here. And I think the CEO of Zscaler owns 20% of the company. He has oh, wow. a couple billion dollars of his net worth in there. Rest assured, he's going to work a little harder than the guys who have no skin in the game. Um, relative strength, 98. Uh, okay, so Twilio has the higher up to down volume, but okay. which is 2.0, which is another very high. That's yeah. like driving your Vega at about 180 miles an hour. <laughs> So um, uh, now uh, what one thing here uh, and, and I'm sure, and I've been asked this question a number of times is, you know, how, uh, how, what, what's the earliest way you can find some of these stocks that could potentially gap up. You're, you're, you're watching the, the reactions after hours. Right. And like, I, I remember Twilio, it was like 150, 155 when, and you just kept seeing it go up or 140 and, and just kept going up. Uh, I was like, I was like, okay, this is this has a real chance to do a breakaway gap on earnings uh, tomorrow morning. After hours is so tricky. I have scorched my fingers off in after hours. I've taken big losses. I will, I will generally get in there and buy some, mm -hmm. but I want to see what the earnings, how the conference call goes. I want to see what the analysts do the next morning, and if it's rocking in pre-market, I might buy a little more there, and then in. Uh, but let's say I missed it completely. I didn't even see the earnings report. You've got to run a price and volume screen first thing, as soon as your computer will allow you to, um, and see what's exploding up. Yeah, or on MarketSmith, and I'll do a shameless plug here, uh, we have an earnings tab, and you can just go to the earnings gap up uh, screen right here. Uh, looking for stocks, stocks like this. Uh, and so, or, and you can even get an email sent to you every day. I don't really? know, Jim. Yeah, Jim, I don't know if you. We'll have to get you set up on that. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll set you up and show you that. But we did that because a lot of things have changed over the last ten years, fifteen years with Reg FD and and just the environments change, right? So we're always trying to adapt, and so that's why we're trying to isolate these kind of crazy moves up and down, just to get them on the radar a little bit easier. Can you have that put in Wanda? But. <laughs> everybody's complaining about reg fd and i i was part of that group but now i look at it like just a massive opportunity um because most of these stocks a significant maybe 70 60 70 percent of them i haven't done the research but that's what i guess continue on to do great great things if you you know and so i would buy that stock after hours maybe a tiny bit in pre-market i would want to own 25 percent of my position but if it holds up 30 minutes 40 minutes into trading I almost don't care how high it is. I'll, I'll start to really buy it. Wow. And God forbid it closes up. Yeah. You've got to have your full position on. And it, it doesn't matter if it's up 30 or 40. Per, that's rare. That's, that's showing extremely unusual power. What about managing risk on, on something like that? Uh, if, if you're buying, if you're moving really uh, big on that earnings gap up day. The best way to manage your risk 
is to build the position as it goes higher. Okay. And I, I really don't like to trade in the first 30 minutes, but occasionally it's a mandatory situation where it's, it's just running away, but I will never take the whole position there. I, I'm willing to pay a higher price and reduce my profit to be sure I'm right. So the more it's supported throughout the day, the more confidence I have. Now, let's say you get this Whopper position on and it rolls over at, you know, an hour to trade. Well, if it starts to get mid-range on the day, mm-hmm. you're going to leak some out. Is the volume heavier on the downside later in the day? So you're watching. I, I don't like watching intraday charts, although there's a couple up there. I, I think they'll make you jump and do things you shouldn't yes. do. Yeah. But you need to monitor the volume and the price. If it closes mid-range, I'm certainly going to hold some. Uh, but buying it as it progresses up is the best way to manage that risk. Now, once you're in, you never really want to take, I'd open up my loss maybe to 7%. Okay. Um, normally I won't take a loss that big. Just, you know, I want to be selling at three, four, five. So, but, but if the opportunities are worth taking the risk, I mean, all of the variables that Bill laid out help you increase your odds of probability of success. But in the end, you're taking a risk. It's a defined risk, but you have to risk. So you've always got to be willing to lose. You should be willing to lose on seven of 10 trades. I'm, I'm wrong on seven of 10. Okay. The default, every order I put in, it's, this is a loser. But when you, get there, when you get something that's this exceptional, you've just got to get in there and, uh, and, and take the risk. Yeah, and, and I'm gonna, sometimes I'll tell myself this. Now, I'm, I'm going to be wrong a lot like, like, like you are, Jim, but I'm not going to be wrong 100% of the time. And, and, and those ones that I'm probably not wrong on, those, you, those are so powerful that they can even overcome my buying mistakes. Uh, it, it's it's, it's going to forgive, you know, and, and they, they might have that, that true game-changing potential. If you're consistently buying monster breakouts and you're cutting all your losses, and you're going to get stopped out of some of them, but if you just keep doing it over and over and over, you're going to stumble into a monster. And your first monster is going to make you smile like you're smiling right now. <laughs> I mean, they still make me smile. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, don't fret. They're coming. And they're never going to stop coming because this is America. See the shirt? Red, white, and blue, baby. America. <laughs> talk about, uh, for those who are newer to this podcast and, and newer to the system, talk about the importance of cutting losses. Uh, because you're very quick to cut losses. I think every one of us, once you do this for a while, you learn to cut these really, really quickly. Uh, and you're going to be wrong a lot, and you get used to that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make tons of mistakes. I'm going to be wrong. Talk about why you cut losses so quickly. I mean, I don't talk about it because it's such an automatic. It's job one. If you did nothing else, if you had no selection criteria, and you just cut all your losses, your results are going to improve dramatically. I mean, it's, it's a zero defect policy. There is no bending your rules on this. It's the reason I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm still here because I, don't, I just, I'm just out. I don't ever take big loss. I get gaps down occasionally, rarely, but 95 to 8, 99% of all my trades are I'm out three, four, five, 6%. If I'm at seven, I, I've, I'm, I'm, I've made a mistake, but in here, I did it because it changed my life. Because prior to cutting losses, I had some great winners, but I had so many losers, it drowned them out. The second I started cutting my losses, my results diametrically changed. I mean, immediately. 
it's you, you want to make money, cut your losses. But this goes to emotion and ego. I'm wrong. I don't want to admit them a moron. You know, I just lost, I just lost, you know, whatever the amount of money is, you know, you don't want to lose money. Right. Uh, admitting you're wrong is tough, but you just got to get used to it. And there are very few braggadocious, great traders because you've been beaten up yeah. you've been humbled and you've taken responsibility for what you're doing. I love to associate with traders because they're honest with themselves. They own their wins. They own their losses. I know I'm dealing with a straight shooter. If, if they've been in the, if they've done well over a long period of time, they have had to have taken losses. They have got to be humble because they've been pounded by the market. And you know, they owning your wins and losses, taking responsibility for what you're doing is beyond the market. It's in life. You know, you don't blame others for, you know, this guy told me to buy this stock. It's his fault. Well, that's crap. You bought it. You got to own it. Right. So cut those losses. So let's, let's go into a, a couple of stocks now. We, we, we talked about a, a few right here, but let's go, let's go in Tesla. Um, now, th th this is one that uh, went in all-time highs today and, you know, it continues to defy the odds or defy the skeptics. Uh, what do you like about, what do you like about these guys? Well, to me, first of all, the CEO is the modern day Thomas Edison. It, he has a product that the wall street journal just called it's, I believe they said it's a vehicle that makes all others look like antiques. It, the yes. fundamentals here, this is a game changer. This is possibly part of the reason why oil, the other than fracking and supply, oil was going down because people are switching to electric cars. Um, in Europe, the European auto manufacturers said they're not even going to design any more internal combustion engine cars. So let's just get past, this is an unbelievable product. You should all drive one. Uh, let's go to technicals. I believe this is a cup and handle. It had a breakout out of a stubby attempt. It shook out violently uh, yes. down to 700. And volume was real in there, but then it came right back up. Like that, that ball underwater came right back up yep. and then it went tight and it went yep. dormant and volume cooled off. And then it hopped out of that really tight area. I think your pivot point was. It was around like 835 or so, or maybe, oh, I don't know, 869. 827.71 is what I have. Okay. Uh, you know, listen, you could have bought this thing multiple times in the same day, probably like you know, 10 minutes apart, it breaks and it goes higher, higher. And the volume picked up when it came out. Now, it, the volume wasn't above average, but it was, it wasn't above the 50 day average, but it was above the very recent average. Then it holds very nicely. It didn't have a monster breakaway gap, but three days ago it did. And volume kicked in again. It digested for a day, closed dead tight. And then today it just rips out and volume Today was a low volume day in the index because of the Fed meeting. No one did anything prior to that. So don't let that skew you on the general indexes or this. Um, you know, uh, so Tesla to me, it has RS of, oh, what do you know? 99 RS. I like that. Uh, they're supposed to earn $13 next year, which I'm sure is going to be low. Everybody hates it. Now, the short position isn't as big as it was, but I'm done. The market is speaking. Clearly, it's yelling. And it looks very much to me like Bethlehem Steel at 100 in 1916 when 
The war was, and by the way, we already covered this, right? Okay. Cover it again. So I say it again. Well, I'll just go to Anaconda Steel, did the exact same thing in 1910, breaking these very large numbers of a thousand or 100 or 50. Um, Jesse Livermore, right? He cited that these stocks tend to have very big runs. So let's see. This is smacking of another Anaconda or Bethlehem Steel. Uh, No one believes it. Only the car owners. There's so much hatred for this. Uh, Elon Musk is a polarizing guy, mm-hmm. but I'll be, I'll be blunt. It's my biggest position, and I'm. Uh, it's got my. I'm. I hit my eight-week hold rule today, so you know, we'll. See. It's not a lock, but the odds are grossly in my favor. If you swing at pitches like this all the time, you're going to get seriously rich. This is now. It's extended. I would not buy any here. This. I'm, this is not a stock to buy today, but just take a look at the pattern. Note the big round numbers, and uh, this is, I, I love it. I've, this stock's made even I so much money, it's disgusting. No, I, I, I do have, it's one of my biggest positions, too. I'm a huge fan of Elon Musk. Uh, if, if anyone's watched IBD Live, they, they, they know that. Mike Webster and I are, are both big fans of Elon Musk, and uh, I can't say enough great things and how uh, about him and how amazed I am with uh what he's done in the last 10, 15 years, um, just on space, in the electric cars, all, all these kind of things, he's just kind of defied all the odds. Well, he defines the American, yes. the risk taker, the entrepreneur, the innovator, the, I, I'm gonna break the rules. I'm gonna do something. Look, the difference between a hero and a crowd is one step forward. You wanna change the world, you have to do it different. Elon Musk is doing a lot of things different and people don't like that. People like. People don't like change. People don't like these, these, these guys who are busting up the world. I love them. They, they'll make you money. Follow That's them. True. <laughs> it's true. That's beautiful. Okay, let's go to another stock. And, and we're familiar with this one uh, because we are using it right now. It is Zoom Communication. You, uh, you might have talked about this another time you were on, but uh, I, I can't remember. But you want to talk about uh, doing something different and, and completely changing the world. Uh, this is a, another technology that is everywhere now. You, you can, it's become a verb almost, right? You know, or an adjective or some, something like that. But, uh, but it's it just become part of, part of the vernacular. Okay, let's make no mistake about it. We are not going backwards, okay? People, are, people will get back on airplanes, but when the business man is saving, you know, it costs them, instead of sending the guy out to LA, it's three grand, he does a Zoom meeting, that, they're not going to go back. They, they will somewhat, but... Um, this is here to stay. All these digital stocks are here to stay. The di- digital payments, people don't want to touch money. It's inconvenient. The cloud, uh, the networking together to uh, do a project with work and Atlassian, the, all of these names, all these stay at home names are here to stay. Um, now, z- so this is so disruptive to hotels, to rental cars, to airplanes, to office space. This may be one of the most disruptive stocks like Tesla of our time. But so let's just again go with this. So we're on it right now. Hello. Um, How many Zoom meetings does the average listener have now a day compared to what they had six months ago? I can assure you, you all have more. The fundamentals are in your face. So we'll skip the fundamentals. They're amazing. Now, this thing was hard to hold. Yes. It was very, very whippy, Um, like Teladoc was. So it took an incredible amount of patience, but my golden rule 
one of my many is the 50 day. I call it the guardrail. Like you're racing a Ferrari through the mountains in Colorado. If you, you, if you, if you don't get, go past the guardrail, you're going to be good. So it never broke the 50 day. It got very extended multiple times, came back down and then came out and volume was good. RS is good, but you had to be patient. You now I can to, already hear the questions, you know, cause I've heard, how, how do you hold, how, how do you handle something so volatile like this? It's rules. You have to listen, you've got to be willing to lose. If you, if you have too much respect for money, if you go, Oh, I made enough money to buy whatever's important to you, you'll panic because you're going to go through drawdowns. And this happens to be a bigger, more volatile stock than most. It's just, it's personality. But if you never, if you said, oh, I'm only going to break when it, I'm only going to sell when it breaks the 50 day, you're in. It never broke the 50. Yeah. Why would you sell it? Because you got fearful. Th that's a bogey. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I think there are times to hedge when this thing gets very excessive. Like right before the earnings report, I sold a strangle. I sold the puts and the calls for 28 points. Okay. And it basically came down. I bought them back and now I'm a hundred percent long the stock. And I, and I, um, I, I have a full position, but rules, it never broke the 50 bill. Bill wrote it out in handwritten notes to me, something to the effect of stocks with triple digit sales and earnings can go wildly higher than you think and never sell until they break the 50. Now the, the problem with all these stay at home stocks is, and my enthusiasm for them is, I don't know what percentage of future earnings they've already discounted. Like I Omega discounted five years forward in about six or nine months. Yeah. So there's no telling. Safety is job one. The guardrail is job one. If this breaks the 50 day, I am outski, but I don't, I'm bullish on zoom and it continues to be treated well by the market. Let's, let's see real quick. RS 99 and accumulation yes, exactly. plus. I mean, composite uh, rating 99. Yeah, I mean, it has, it has everything, right? Earnings up 251% this year. Doesn't look like people are going back to the old way of living very soon. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the stock, you, you know, if, if you didn't even know what they did, if you didn't know the fundamentals, it never broke the 50 <laughs> or don't let fear shake you out. Yeah. People sell out of fear that, I think there's way too much money lost over trying not to lose money. You know, what's worse? I don't, for me, missing a monster on the upside is worse now. That's way worse for me. So don't let fear rattle you out. You have to, you have to have a disregard for the cash. If you're adding this up, like I can buy a house or a car or, a, or whatever your thing is, you're going to get out. You'll never be able to sit. You just have to have patience. Let's go on one more stock, and this is Teladoc, ticker symbol TDOC. And this stock was one of the ones just like Zoom. It, it resisted the, the pandemic sell-off uh, amazingly well, very choppy, finally broke the 50, just came back above it today. So what day did it break the 50 before, Arusha? Uh, it looked like... Oh, oh yeah, it broke it on yeah May twenty seventh, right? Look at that tail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the then six five too. It tested tested the low on May twenty seventh, came right back up again. I mean, this stock is just 
you know, my wife got some type of bite on her arm and it swelled up and she's like, I'm not going to the doctor. I'm going to call the teledoc. I mean, that's amazing. This is mind blowing. It's a revolution. Yeah. People don't want to get dressed and go to the doctor and wait in an office full of sick people. Right. This is, this is, you know, you could explain this to a a 10 year old. They would completely understand why this is a better mousetrap. Um, To me, it's just got everything. I mean, again, this is a wilder stock than I normally am involved with, but the, it it came down, it did break the 50, but it closed so high that day. I also kind of have a rule where I try not to sell till the end of the day or the end of the week. So the guardrail has a tiny bit of wiggle room (laughs) (laughs) three, 4% below intraday and close back up or very close. Um, if it closes below that on the Friday, I'm probably going to get out. Um, but again, how much conviction do you have in it? So I'm absolutely convinced in the fundamentals that it, this stock looks great and there's no reason why it can't go way, way higher. I mean, it's, if you want to talk about a prior uptrend, there's your prior uptrend. And, and this, is, this is one that's uh, out of the three that we looked at right now, and actually even the other ones, this, this is the one that is forming a base right now too, that could give you a potential traditional uh, type of buy point? I am still, I have about a half a position in it. And if it works up and forms out, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll throw the book at it and take a full position. Looks great. That's perfect. So there are a lot of ideas that are worth considering. Thanks, Jim, once again, for joining us today. It was great. Go America, guys. There it is. Thanks, Arusha. Everybody have a great day. Next week, we will have Ryan Warch on the show. Ryan is the founder of Warch Capital. That's it for this week on Investing with IBD. I'm Arusha Paris, and thanks for listening. And for this week's Nilton Charts, make sure to go to investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.